to a very special patron-curated Rebecca Got Me High episode. That scary song got me high. Welcome to my nightmare. I think you're gonna like it. I think you're gonna feel you belong. Everyone, this is that record got me high. I'm Rob Elba, and uh, as I said, this is a special patron curated episode. Uh, I asked the patrons to send in their favorite scary songs, and uh, it's really great. I, I got, I mean, you guys are the best. These patrons are, uh, I, I can't even begin. Uh, you think out of the box, and uh, some of the submissions, I mean, some people uh, sent songs that genuinely scared them or that remind them of something scary or just had some clever tie-in you know for that scary song so uh just some great submissions it's a lot of fun i'm going to chime in here and there uh throughout the episode and at the end i will give you my pick once again uh you're listening to these patron curated episodes and if you'd like to participate it's it's easy all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh or just go to patreon.com and search for that record got me high podcast and you could become a patron of the show. It's great. It, for as little as $2 a month, you could participate in all these patron-curated episodes. And you could be part of the uh, That Record Got Me High family. And, uh, I mean, if, if you're a listener, you're already part of the family. But, you know, you're not, like, on, in, in the inner sanctum of the family. But uh, it's easy to do that. Just uh, become a patron. It, it's a lot of fun. Trust me, as you will see by this episode right here. So, uh, once again, I will give it up to the patrons enjoy hey rob it's tom laurie one of the creepiest albums i've ever listened to was something by a band called the caretaker uh it is a 2011 release called the empty bliss beyond this world uh this is a film named Leyland kirby from uh, england who takes pre-world war ii jazz records and puts them t- through some effects and I'll tell you, it just sounds very creepy, uh, pops and all. It's got uh, echoes in it, so it sounds like an empty ballroom. Um, it reminds me of The Shining, as a matter of fact. That's where he got the original idea for some of these. So um, the specific song that may kind of demonstrate this uh, is a song called Le Bay's Delay. Um, and the album has uh, a, another meaning to it also, but that's more sad than it is creepy. If you just listen to it by itself, it's creepy. If uh, you want to look it up, uh, you'll see what it's, the whole album is really about, uh, loss of memory. But um, the whole album is these creepy, weird little snippets of 1920s and 30s records that he found in Brooklyn, shellac 78s, and put some effects to them. I hope you enjoy, or not. Mm-hmm. 
Tom. That was indeed creepy as fuck. Now we have someone, uh, he always sends in great submissions, always a lot of fun. Jeff Greenstein, he brings the knowledge, but he also brings the honesty on this one because he admits that he's uh, kind of a scaredy cat. So uh, take it away, Jeff. This is Jeff Greenstein. I do not like being scared. I do not like scary movies. And I definitely do not like the scary song I'm going to tell you about. It's called DOA by the band Blood Rock, a Texas stoner psychedelic group who improbably took the song based on the singer's experience witnessing a fatal plane crash to number 36 on the Billboard charts in 1971, thereby scaring the crap out of an eight-year-old boy in Wheaton, Maryland named me. This song did not get me high. I heard it playing on the intercom radio in our house. That should give you a sense of the era. We had an intercom in our house. On it, we played the radio. DOA is told from the POV of a dying man. There are sirens, people wailing, and in it he moans about the sheets damp with blood, the life ebbing from his body, his girlfriend already dead on the slab next to him. It is super upsetting. And for little eight-year-old me, it was nightmare fodder for months. Occasionally, I'd hear a snatch of it on the radio, and then I'd have to run from the room and cry. After the success of DOA, Blood Rock promptly returned to obscurity. After all, what do you do for a follow-up when your song's protagonist dies? But the song has haunted me ever since, to the point where I did not actually listen to it before doing this intro. I am too afraid of it. Enjoy, I guess, Blood Rock's DOA. group got me high's uh, creator uh, who refuses to use his own name he goes by margarita but uh he sent in something i had never heard before and it's awesome it's kind of like a it's like an all-star song sort of like a, a we are the world do they know it's christmas type thing but about halloween and uh this was done back in 2006 and, and it includes uh members uh it includes uh beck uh and feist and members of some 41 the arcade fire sonic youth yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, Wolf Parade, the Postal Service, and uh, like I said, I'd never heard this before, and it's and it's awesome. So take it away, Mark. Hey, Rob, this is your favorite alcohol-themed burner account, Margarita. Beating out songs by Danzig and from the first Marilyn Manson record is a one-off side project of indie rock all stars. Song is "Do They Know It's Halloween" by North American Halloween Prevention Incorporated. 
It has a disco verse and a celebrity charity sing-along chorus. This next one is definitely an example of someone thinking outside the box. This is uh, patron Heidi with her pick. And uh, it's definitely, like I said, it's outside the box and it's awesome. So take it away, Heidi. Hi, Rob. It's Heidi from Louisville, Kentucky. And the scary song that got me high is She Wolf by Shakira. It's a super creepy song and nobody likes a werewolf. But the real reason why it got me high is because Shakira and J-Lo's performance at the Super Bowl halftime show in 2020 scared the shit out of all American women that they wouldn't be able to dance like that when they got older. All right. Bye! All 
this next one, we have patron Corey Dubrowa bringing some deep knowledge to a uh, to a pretty creepy song that uh, probably most of you have heard, but uh, maybe haven't thought about how creepy it actually is. Take it away, Corey. If there's ever a night to play The Cure, it's definitely this one. This is a forest from the band's 1980 LP, 17 Seconds. It's a classic goth track in A minor that uses no fewer than seven flangers in its recording. It's the most played live Cure song with more than a thousand performances over the course of the band's career. For his part, Robert Smith has been fairly vague about the explanation behind the lyrics. On the one hand, saying they were based on a dream that he had as a child where he was lost in the woods and able to escape, but on the other hand, denying it and saying it's just about a forest. The album version of the song is slightly longer than the single and features the instruments leaving the scene one by one until nothing but a bass, like a heartbeat, remains. Pretty spooky. I can't listen to this song alone anymore. Next one is a perfect example of someone who takes Halloween very seriously. And after admittedly overthinking things, uh, he comes up with a really creepy song. And uh, I'm talking about patron and super fan Larry Smith. So take it away, Larry. Hey, this is Laughing Larry, or maybe for this purpose, um, Evil Laughing Larry. <laughs> Uh, submitting something for that scary song got me high. I'm really looking forward to this show because there's so many ways that you can interpret what a scary song is. To me, um, I, I've got a huge Halloween playlist and it includes a lot of classical music because, you know, uh, Pierre Gint, um, Night on Bald Mountain, Funeral March of the Marionettes, um, the, the theme to Psycho, theme to Halloween. These are things that, you know, it's, it's, contextual. So uh, these things put me in a, in a frightening frame of mind. I've actually recorded some ambient things that were meant to be terrifying that I include in my Halloween playlist that um, are, are so unnerving that my wife simply makes me skip them anytime she hears them come on. You know, Halloween associated uh, might count. Um, 
you know, just with the title Halloween or Halloween in the title, you've got the Misfits, Susie and the Banshees, Dag Kennedys, Mud Honey, Sonic Youth, um, Ministries. Every day is Halloween. There's there's a ton of stuff there, but none of it's really scary to me. I never did black metal, um, and I've always enjoyed goth to some extent, but again, I don't really find any of that frightening. Um, I love Oingo Boingo, one of my favorite bands, and they've definitely got some disturbing stuff. You know, the doors, this is the end, is pretty disturbing. But, I, yeah, you know, it had to be a song that I really loved, too. And I was thinking about this, and there's a song that I literally fall asleep to every single night. It's the first song that I play when I sit in my zero-G massage chair. I find it to be the most relaxing thing in the world, but if any member of my family hears it, they come up to me and tell me that is creepy as fuck, turn it off now, there you have it. Um, the song is The Carnival Is Over off Dead Can Dance's 1993 release Into the Labyrinth. Uh, Brendan Perry sounds spectacular. I love the deep baritone voice. It's to me extremely soothing, but I'm telling you, it it gives my entire family the absolute creeps and uh, it gets me high. There you have it. I hope you enjoy. And said on this uh, on this show, I love it when people bring in things that I've just never heard of and never heard before, and uh, that is indeed this next uh, patron, Matthew Marzullo, brings another obscure, legitimately creepy tune. Greetings from beautiful Annalix, Florida. This is Matt, and the scary song that got me high is Gog by Peter Hamill. If you've ever heard Hamill's music, either solo or with Vandergraaff Generator, you know that his vocals can be pretty intense. This song, Gog, comes from Hamill's 1974 solo album, In Camera, and it is intense, even by Hamill's standards. It's often mentioned in tandem with the song that follows, called Magog. Gog and Magog are mentioned in the Bible, the Koran, and other ancient religious and historical texts. Though described a little differently in each one, Gog is depicted as a threat to the Jewish people, an enemy of God. 
And if you're going to write a song about such a bad guy, it better live up to its title. And this one certainly does. Things begin with some creepy organ, then the vocals begin, and with just those two elements, Hamill works the song into a frenzy until the drums join at about the two-minute mark. Then it really goes bonkers, continuing to build in intensity for another five minutes. Hamill's vocal performance is both awe-inspiring and terrifying. If you're looking to scare some little kids while you pass out candy this Halloween, this song should definitely do the trick. Some call me Satan, others have me God. Some name me Nemo. I am a next patron uh woody compton he is the creator of the that record got me high logo uh he's a terrific artist and uh he also runs half of uh the people who run is this tomorrow so he brings us another unsettlingly creepy pick when i think of spooky songs i usually think of the goth rock standards while the misfits and the cramps are perfect for halloween listening i was thinking of truly spooky and scary stuff Alber Mensch by Ostazen de Nobotten and the unreleased themes from Hellraiser by Coil are two albums that should jumpstart your nightmares if you leave them on when you try to fall asleep. Lullaby by The Cure is great as it offers a fairy tale to keep you awake with the threat of the Spider-Man is having you for dinner tonight. A song that almost seems like Tim Burton wishes he had written it. But for truly scary, the kind of stuff that can unnerve you, I will offer up Susie and the Banshees' Obsession. There are many great stalker songs in the history of rock, but this is one of my favorites. I think Kiss in the Dream House is almost sort of a companion album to Juju, and both have some great atmosphere that I absorbed at length while working the night shift in a mental institution during my college years. I would play the cassette I made with one album on either side over and over again during the long nights I spent at work, where my night shifts started at midnight. Obsession is undeniably moody with breathing, a thumping bass drum, and a simple, echoey, distant guitar chord. When the strings come in in the second verse, sadness is added to the feeling of menace. Susie's delivery is perfect, as her voice is perfectly suited for this sort of material. Thankfully, the lyrics are very easily understood and upfront in the mix. Her lyrics cover some of her favorite topics, which appear in other songs, like suffocation and poison. Do you hear this breath? It's an oppressive breath. 
suffocating in the poison of your obsession. Can you feel this beat? It's a possessive beat. Your pulse stops in the cause of your obsession. Do you hear this breath? It's an obsessive breath. Can you feel this beat? It's an obsessive heartbeat waiting to be joined with its obsession. I close my eyes, but I can't sleep. The thin membrane conveil the branded picture of you. The signs and signals show. The traffic lights they go again. Touched your belongings there and left a lock of my hair. Another sign for you. You screamed into my face, get the hell out of my place. Another sign for me. Can you forgive me for not understanding? Our next patron, uh, Mick Hans, he kind of went the scary, funny uh, route with this one uh, by another super group, uh, side project type thing called the Minus Five. So take it away, Mick. Boo. This is Mick Hans. My scary pick is from Old Liquidator, the first record by the Minus Five from 1995. The Minus Five is, of course, Scott McCoy of the Young Fresh Fellows and the Baseball Project, with whichever of his friends happened to be available. On this record, that cast of many people included folks from REM, the Posies, and NRBQ, among others. The song is the alarming tale of a narrator who keeps running into digits, unconnected from the people they belong to, in strange and unfamiliar places. These include human digits and monkey digits. The song is find a finger. Me. 
so now we have a longtime patron and friend of the show, Mr. Dan Bonebreak. He reminds us, he makes the case that uh, for the scariness of classical music, that you don't even need uh, singing or words to make songs creepy. So uh, take it away, Dan. Hi, this is Dan Bonebreak of The Lightworkers and Honest Liars. My pick for That Scary Song Got Me High is not so much a song, but Stravinsky's brilliantly uneasy The Rite of Spring. Most of the horror movie scores we know owe much to this 1913 composition. The thumping tension heard in Jaws, the dissonance of the Halloween Mike Myers theme, and the stabbing chords that made and continue to make everyone jump out of their seats and scream. You can feel the anxiety build up inside as you listen to Ritual of Abduction and Dance of the Earth in Part 1's Adoration of the Earth, and Part 2's glorification of the Chosen One and Sacrificial Dance. You feel the chase, the slashing, the death. Speaking of overthinking things, uh, this next uh, patron came in under the wire because uh, apparently he took things very seriously and he had a hard time uh, picking his song. But he did come up with a uh, obscure, it's obscure to me, uh, and a legitimately uh, creepy song. So take it away, Carl. Good evening, Rob. Good evening. That record got me high, listeners. I have to say, this was probably the hardest challenge you've given us yet. And I agonized over this one all month, but I finally came to a conclusion earlier this evening. Yes, it's Carl at Phoenix Records in Vermont, and the scary music, the scariest music that got me high was, as I said, a difficult choice. One of the, one of my options was Code Blue from TSOL. Which, uh, then we'd have to go into a long-winded explanation about a song about the joys of necrophilia. So we'll jump over that one. Uh, then I was going to go with the classic selection of Black Sabbath. The first song from Black Sabbath. 
but that one might be a little bit too easy, too obvious a choice. So my choice is the original Fleetwood Mac version of the Green Manalishi with the two-pronged crown. A lot has been speculated about on this song, uh, whether Peter Green, who wrote it, whether it was a manifestation of his acid damage, which uh, a bunch of recent research has actually said was not the case. But it's the song in which you hear Peter Green pretty clearly descending into the schizophrenia that would derail and consume his life for much of the next 20 to 30 years. And in the process, we really lost a huge, huge guitar great, uh, one of the most amazing guitar players of all time. And it took me a long while to come around to that conclusion. The song itself, fantastic, scary, eerie, and has a Fender Basics lead in it. Um, as well as it became a hit later for Judas Priest in a metal version. So kind of runs the gamut. Uh, definitely Hellhounds on Peter Green's trail if you listen to the lyrics of this song. Take care and have a scary Halloween, everyone. So this next submission uh, illustrates just to, uh, just how just how awesome and brave uh, our patrons are because uh, Todd Nolan uh, braved COVID. He's he was sick with COVID. Uh, I know he wasn't feeling good uh, to send in his submission uh, to bring a really creepy because uh, it has a children's choir in it. Any 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 song with a children's choir can always be creepy. Uh, but he brought in a great zombie tune, and uh, he is, f- uh, for anyone who's who's uh, worried about Todd, he's doing good. He's feeling much better now, so I think he's uh, just about over it. But uh, take it away, brave Todd. 
The most haunted of Halloween greetings to all you boys and ghouls out there in the netherworld. It's me, your ghost host, Todd Nolan, checking in from Nashville with my pick for the scariest song for the holidays. Over the years, I've collected quite an extensive collection of spooky songs ranging from kitschy, witchy throwback tunes to downright horrific ditties of purest evil. So narrowing down my after-lifelong obsession to a single track was no easy undertaking. I dug through a pile of bone-rattling crooners, trying to find a single solitary song that was truly to die for. In the end, it came down to, where is my mind at this very moment in time? And that answer is deadly simple, fiends. I'm currently quarantined in my dead room with a classic case of the covid Right now, we are all living through a minor modern apocalypse full of bedridden zombies infected by unseen creatures, stirring up cauldrons of fear and desperation in us all. We shamble through this new world order, hidden behind masks, scurrying from the unknown, and facing a reality that what may truly end up killing us all inevitably is the loneliness of despair. But cheer up, kiddos. I offer up and sacrifice a song of hope and reckoning. My favorite scary song that gets me high when everything around me is feeling quite low is My Body's a Zombie for You by Dead Man's Bones, a rock duo consisting of actor Ryan, Baby Goose Gosling, and Zach Shields. Released on their self-titled album in 2009, My Body's a Zombie for You has Gosling's Vincent Price-style vocals floating on top of a haunted mansion-style piano and eerily backed by the Silverdale Conservatory Children's Choir. Because nothing says creepy quite like a group of children screaming that their body's a zombie for you. And with lyrics like, I can't fit in this skin, it's worn and useless thin. The size of the eyes and the flies in the sky make it hard to see to the end. You can't help but want to give in to the horde of brain-eating children, slowly marching your way to the beat of a solitary tambourine, possibly the very same one that awakened the spirits by Madame Leota herself. Dead Man's Bones is a beautifully imperfect collection of love stories about ghosts and monsters, and will leave you chanting in unison with the choir that you too have become a Z-O-M-B-I-E, zombie, Z-O-M-B-I-E, zombie, a Z-O-M-B-I-E, zombie. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Hi, this is James in Baltimore. When I saw the theme of the new patron curated episode, my mind immediately went to all of the obvious choices, you know, Sabbath, suicide, or skinny puppy, or maybe some early Alice Cooper, which isn't really scary, but delicious in all the right Halloween-y ways. Then I remembered what is, for me, unequivocally, the scariest rock song, American Girl by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I'm interested in the way a work of art can be influenced by works that follow as much as by those that came before. The Doors song, The End, isn't really about the Vietnam War, but it is to me because I've seen Apocalypse Now a thousand times or so. The song remains the same as a much funnier movie now that I've seen Spinal Tap. American Girl, to a listener with innocent ears, is a slightly rueful anthem about personal change. To me, though, and I would imagine to anyone who has seen Jonathan Demme's 1991 masterpiece, The Silence of the Lambs, it's the song you hear before you're literally cast into the pit. In an early scene in the movie, right before she is duped and kidnapped by crafty psychopath Buffalo Bill, who has designs on her pelt, the character Catherine Martin is joyously belting American Girl as it blasts from her car radio while she drives. American Girl is so defined for me by that sequence of scenes that I half expect a final verse to begin. It rubs the lotion on its skin. When she was an American girl You know, I was hoping someone would pick a Tom Waits song because uh, Tom Waits can definitely be uh, be uh, a little creepy. So uh, patron Larry D did not disappoint, and he brought one in, and it's a good one. Hey, Rob, this is Larry from San Diego, California, and the scary song that gets me high is The Earth Died Screaming by Tom Waits. It's the leading track off his 1992 record Bone Machine which has several kind of scary songs on it. But this particular one is pretty scary because the percussion sounds like it's being played by people banging bones on the ground. And the lyrics are all about how everything dies. And, you know, the army ants leave nothing but the bones, as the song goes. And it's perfect for this time of year because Halloween is a reminder that we all die. And so, thank you, Rob, and happy Halloween. Food is all the midway. Jacob's in the hole. 
Hi Rob, this is Paul Marfleet. There aren't many songs that I truly consider scary. The kitschy side of horror is well represented in popular music. Indeed, bands like The Cramps made a whole career out of it. But creating music that invokes genuine terror and dread is a much rarer feat. The song I've chosen is The Visitation by electronic music pioneers White Noise from their 1969 debut album Electric Storm. White Noise was a collaboration between electronic student David Vorhouse and Delia Derbyshire and Brian Hodgson of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Of the three, Delia Derbyshire is probably the most well-known as a result of being the creator of the original Doctor Who theme. The first side of a record is quirky electronic pop music. Groundbreaking stuff, certainly. But it's a second side where things get really dark and interesting. Thematically, the song has a lot in common with the so-called death discs of the early 1960s, songs like Lead of a Pack and Johnny Rememory, that dealt with tragic tales of teenage love. The visitation tells a similar story. Boyfriend and girlfriend arrange to meet, but the boyfriend is killed in a motorcycle accident. However, while the aforementioned songs come across as mildly morbid exercises in melodrama, the visitation takes us unequivocally into the realm of horror. We bear witness to the crash, followed by the attempts of our lovers to reconnect after one of them has passed into the afterlife. However, this proves to be an exercise in futility, as we soon find out. The production on the visitation is genuinely unnerving and sounds at least 10 years ahead of its time. No mean feat when you consider that it apparently took three months to record, the result of painstakingly spliced together tape edits of recordings made with improvised equipment. An Electric Storm was a commercial failure on release, and Delia Derbyshire remained a relatively obscure figure up to her death 20 years ago. However, like the Velvet Underground's debut, the album has become a formative influence on many modern electronic artists. And like the Velvet Underground, White Noise were one of the first groups to blend popular music with the avant-garde. So, turn the lights down, put on some headphones, and cue up the second side of a disc.
So there you have it. Those are our patrons, uh, some of our patrons, and uh, that was that scary song got me high. Thank you, of course, everyone who sent in submissions, and thanks to all the patrons. I mean, I, I understand you guys can't send in for everyone, and it's nice that uh, people uh, take, take turns, and sometimes they'll sit it out, and sometimes I'll hear from a, a patron that I'd never heard from before because maybe if they really like the theme we're doing. But uh, once again, if you want to become part of the fun, Become a patron of the show. Go to patreon.com forward slash TRJMH. Become a patron of this show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. You know, I always advise uh, guests coming on uh, when someone's going to come on and they say, oh, I can't think of a record. And I always tell them not to overthink it. You know, don't overthink it. So this is what I did for this one. I didn't overthink because this is the first thing that came in uh, in my head. And I said, ah, oh, well, that's so obvious. I, I thought maybe someone else would pick it, but no one did. But uh, I'm sorry. Released uh, August 1979 and often considered the first goth record. The first gothic record. Uh, It was recorded live in the studio in a single take in January 1979. It was the first thing these guys recorded together. uh, Six weeks after they had formed. And uh, for me, it is and always will be the perfect Halloween party song. I'm, of course, talking about Bauhaus and Bella Lugosi's dead. Thanks, guys. We'll see you all again. I am out of here.
down 